Paranorm podcast contains content that might not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Paranorm Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Paranorm, the podcast where we chat all things true crime and paranormal. I'm Emily. I'm Sierra. You get a name this week, my dude. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the glare Sierra just gave me. Um, okay. uh, we are talking about some shit, okay? Are we? We are. Like, I just can't. That is the only way I can describe this clusterfuck. Okay. Um, but before I have... Y'all saying, like, what the fuck, like, a thousand times. How are we, ma'am? Hmm. Like, we'd be a little bit cranker this week. Um, yeah, yeah. And by we, I mean, you mean you. Because Sierra, <laughs> literally, <laughs> Monday night, motherfuckers, Sierra did not get home from work till 8 p.m. Her boss sent her an email today that said all staff has to leave by 8. I don't think it was, it wasn't directed at It was 100% directed at Sierra. I don't think so. <laughs> If you didn't get home till 8, that means you didn't leave the building till 7.30. Y'all hear my, my clinking? I have wine. I'm in a good mood, y'all. <laughs> anyway, um, but I knew that was going to happen. It always does when school is starting. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it makes me really question, do I want to go and threaten someone at your school? <laughs> I mean. I get concerned for your well-being, my dude. Oh, I mean, you mean I'm right? Yes, I am. 110%. I know. (laughs) Sierra's just had a very crazy week. She's going to barely be hanging on here. It's like 10 p.m. I'm recording this right now. It's way past my bedtime already. Yeah, and I am like wired for sound right now. Like I am fucking, I don't know where it's come from, but I have like a shit ton of energy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing really good. Yeah. Surprisingly. Um, I'm no longer really, like, sick. I know I was sick last time we were recording this. Um, I still have, like, a little bit left, but I drove a car today. Oh, my goodness. It was wild. It really was wild. First time in seven months that I have driven further than five minutes down the road mm-hmm. um, because it hurt too much. Um, I bought groceries. <laughs> Like, the, with her money. With my own money. Um, for the first time in a hot minute, mm-hmm. I cooked dinner without having to cop out the last second. Like, <laughs> who the fuck am I? Um, I danced around my own kitchen. Like, what? We're getting crazy up it's, in here. We're getting crazy. I'm on my second Sierra Pour, which is four glasses of wine. <laughs> um, so we're, we're doing really good. Sierra's tired, and I'm really hyper. So you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. If if you guys hear me just talking for a long moment, that means Sierra has fallen asleep and I'm trying to wake <laughs> her up. It has been a while since that happened to me, so I, I feel like... That you've fallen asleep while I've recorded? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I've been on a good streak and I'm always bound to mess it up, so today's probably the day. Let's do it. Go team. Yeah. No, we're not a team. We're a partnership. I don't do teams. Whatever, man. There is a me in team. There might not be an I, but there for sure is a me. Okay, anyway, this week has been interesting. <laughs> um, I am down to one crutch slash no crutches because I feel really good. And I know, like, peop- people are like, well, if you feel good, you should still probably use it. But whatever. Um, Here we are. Yeah. So uh, we, we have, other people have come to the conclusion I am very opinionated about movies. Okay, <laughs> Sierra, Sierra, you know I'm opinionated about other things, like everything. Like name something right now, like anything, random thing, name it. Bread. Okay, I do not like white bread. That is like the fucking devil's ass. Like it is so goddamn gross. Like who just wants just like plain white bread, like with like sandwich meat on it? Like that is disgusting. Like toast it at least. Okay, <laughs> the best bread out there is ciabatta. Like, no other arguments. Ciabatta bread is the best. Like, I have strong opinions about everything. Mm-hmm. And then Sierra's just like... Crayons. Crayons? Mm-hmm. Okay, Crayola crayons are the best. Mm-hmm. The crazy art or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck that is, that's shit crayons. Like, they don't even use, like, the proper material. Like, you hold that in your hand and it fucking breaks. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Like, no. What? <laughs> no. 
and the proper way to color with a crayon. Okay, Do you, are you ready? I'm ready. You have to outline it first mm -hmm. darker. You press down harder, which is where the crazy art um, crayons fail because they can't take the pressure. Crayola mm -hmm. is there and like it, it takes the pressure. So you outline, like let's say we're, we're coloring Princess Belle because that's what popped into my head. Mm -hmm. You're coloring her blue dress. You take a darker outline around the outside of her dress mm -hmm. and then you lightly color the inside with the crown. Okay. <laughs> I saw this thing where they have like some kind of like scraper thing. Oh, that would be cool. So it like, oh, sorry guys. It like um, makes it like more even. Yeah, yeah. Cause you know how some like it's kind of um, like it has little holes, you know. Yeah. Yes. There are only like the only time I use crayons is like if it's like a coloring book. Mm -hmm. I do not use them for anything else. Like I use color pencils for other things, mm -hmm. but I do not use crayons for other things mm -hmm. just for that specific reason. Like there's holes, yeah. and the way the wax feels is really weird to me because mm -hmm. I'm a very textured oriented person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so opinions about everything. And the guy I'm seeing is like, you're very opinionated about movies. Like, I'm not, I'm going to save you guys from the Little Mermaid rant and I'm not going to say it right now to be discussed at a later date. But like, <laughs> I told Sierra that and she started laughing. She was like, you're opinionated about everything, man. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like, if that's all you think she's opinionated about, like, you got a long way you, to go. You got a lot to learn, mm -hmm. my dude. Um, but yeah, so I thought it was pretty funny. Thought it was a nice little... Emily's week has been interesting. <laughs> Sierra's week has been busy and mine has been interesting. Well, there's that. There is. I hope you guys have had a good week. Yeah, really. Um, yeah. Ugh. I, I, I can't think of words. I'm sorry. Alrighty. Here we go with this week's case, y'all. Alright. You want to do it that way? We'll just, we'll just get into the case. Okay. So this week... We are discussing an absolute shit show of a man named Henry Lee Lucas. And I called my mom and mm -hmm. I asked him, I asked her about him. And then I called my dad and I asked him about him. And they were both like, he is unsetting, unsettling, how do you say it? Unsettlingly? Unsetting? Nope, can't do it. Unsettling. Y'all know what I meant, okay? Sierra's going to leave that in there because she hates me just a little bit. But like, <laughs> you guys know what I meant. He is, he, this man is very creepy. Okay. Like, he just gives off some vibes, my dude. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Henry Lee Lucas was born on August 23rd, 1936 in Blacksburg, Virginia. Lucas was born in, like, a one-room log cabin. Mm -hmm. He lost an eye at the age of 10 after it became infected from a fight with, he had with his brother. Oh. Yeah. A friend later described Lucas as a child who would often get attention by displaying, like, strange behavior. Okay. Like, you know those kids that show out just mm -hmm. to get some sort of attention, i.e. all of my brothers? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> his mother, Viola, was a sex worker who would force her son to watch her engaging in sex with clients who would make him, um, like, wear women's clothing in public. And... Um, this was supposedly... The Johns or the mom? The, the mom would make oh, okay. him wear women's clothing out in public. Mm -hmm. uh, this was supposedly because she would want to, like, um, pimp him out to men and women alike. Um, eventually, Lucas's school teachers complained about him wearing women's clothing mm -hmm. because this is literally the 1940s at mm -hmm. this point. In December 1949, Lucas's alcoholic father... Father? Alcohol father. <laughs> Alcoholic father. father Anderson, fucking hell, Anderson Lucas died of hypothermia after going home drunk, collapsing outside during a blizzard. Mm. Um, shortly thereafter, while in sixth grade, Lucas dropped out of school and ran away from home, drifting like around the Virginia area. Aww. He, mm, that's going to be the one and only time you say off for this man. Uh, he claimed to have committed his first murder in 1951 when he strangled 17-year-old Laura Burnsley after she refused his sexual advances. On June 10th, 1954, Lucas was convicted on over a dozen counts of burglary mm -hmm. in um, Richmond, Virginia, and was sentenced to four years in prison. He escaped in 1957 and re was recaptured three days later. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, then he was released on September 2nd, 1959. So he only spent like two more years in jail yeah. after that. Okay. Um, in late 1959, Lucas traveled to Tecumseh, Michigan to live with his half-sister, Opal. Around this time, he was engaged to marry a pen pal. Yeah. With whom oh. he... From prison? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing so. Okay. They don't really elaborate on such. Gotcha. Oh, I forgot to mention, most of this information, y'all, is from the documentary on Netflix, The Confession Killer, and I'm going to touch on most of everything, but, like, actually watching this man on television mm-hmm. is batshit crazy, so The Confession Killer, if you guys have not already seen it, 10 out of 10 would recommend, because it is a journey and a half. Huh. Um, I obviously did not watch it with you be- for obvious reasons. reasons um but yeah it it was a lot um like most of the time I put on documentaries to like go to sleep to mm-hmm. especially like the art theft documentaries yeah this one I was like up to like 2 a.m watching because <laughs> um, it's got like six episodes in it I think oh yeah yeah so it was good anyway he was engaged to marry a pen pal with whom he had corresponded with while he was incarcerated nice we're going to go with that. When Lucas's mother visited him for Christmas, she disapproved of his son or of her son's fiance and insisted he'd move back to Blacksburg to take care of her as she grew older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Uh when he refused, they argued repeatedly. These I are, mean yeah. So these arguments escalated until January 11th, 1960, when, according to Lucas, she struck him over the head with a broom, at which point he stabbed her in the neck. Lucas then fled the scene. Um, He later went on to say, all I remember was slapping her alongside the neck. But after I did that, I saw her fall down and decided to grab her. But she fell to the floor. And when I went back up to like pick her up, I realized she was dead. Then I noticed I had my knife in my hand and she had been cut. Okay, then. Yeah. Opal returned later and discovered their mother alive, but in a pool of blood. She called an ambulance, but it arrived too late. The official police report stated that Lucas's mother died of a heart attack precipitated by the assault. Okay. Um, Lucas was soon arrested in Ohio on the outstanding Michigan warrant. He claimed to have killed his mother in self-defense, again, with that Mm -hmm. whole broom story. Mm -hmm. Um, But his claim was rejected and was sentenced to up to 40 years in prison in Michigan for second-degree murder. Okay. After serving 10 years Mm -hmm. in prison, this is a white man, by the way, um, in prison, he was released in June 1970 due to prison overcrowding. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1971, Lucas was convicted of attempting to kidnap three schooled girls. Oh while, my goodness. Yeah. While serving a five-year sentence for the crime, he established a relationship with a family friend and single mother he had written back and forth with. Mm-hmm. Um, later, after his stepdaughter accused him of sexually abusing her, Lucas began moving between, like, various relatives, mm, okay. um, one of whom got him a job in West Virginia, where he established a relationship that ended when his girlfriend's family confronted him about another abuse allegation. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, L- Lucas drifted around, like, the American South, working for a number of mostly short-term jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, in Florida, he made the acquaintance of Otis Toole sometime between 1976 and 1978. It's mm-hmm. kind of, like, disputed. Um, and claims to have had an, an a romantic affair with Toole's, like, pubescent niece named Frida Powell, who had escaped from juvenile detention facility. They, nice. Yeah, they called her... Becky most -hmm. of the time, um, partly to disguise her identity and because Powell preferred that over her given name. Okay. Um, Lucas and Tool were also reportedly lovers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, That's where I thought you were going at first. Yeah, no. And then you We're we're back. We're back there. So the trio left Florida and eventually settled in Stoneburg, Texas at a religious commune called the House of Prayer. Nice. Mm-hmm. Always good to have a cult in there. Uh-huh. It really is. Uh, the leader, Reuben Moore, uh, was like the minister and the owner, mm-hmm. found Lucas a job as a roofer and allowed Lucas and Powell to live in like a small apartment on the commune. Mm-hmm. Powell became homesick, so Lucas agreed to move to Florida with her. Uh, Lucas said they argued at, like on the way back. Mm-hmm. They argued in Bowie, Texas at a truck stop and claimed that Powell left with a trucker. 
according to a waitress at the truck stop, like, she supported Lucas's account. Oh, that she didn't go leave with him, but yeah, somebody else. Yeah, yeah, that okay. she left with the trucker. This mm-hmm. is important later. Like, important, Sierra. Okay, putting well, a pin in it. Mm-hmm. So now we move on to June 1983. Okay. Phil Ryan, a Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this... Let me let me let me just like take a like a, a moment mm-hmm. to tell you the shit show that is about to ensue. Oh jeez. I said what the fuck I know like 70 <laughs> times. Okay? Yeah. Like it's a it's mm. Everybody just take a deep breath first. I feel like we all need a deep breath anyway. I'm I am I'm on my like I told y'all how many glasses of wine I've had. Sierra poured my glass first of all. Just want to say that. You're welcome. So, Texas Ranger, Bill Ryan, Mm -hmm. arrested Henry for unlawful possession of a firearm because he's a convicted criminal. Right. Um, While he was being interrogated, Henry confessed to killing Frida Becky Powell. How did that even come up? He also confessed to killing Kathy Rick, an 82-year-old woman that he worked for on the commune. Oh, yeah. During the investigation at the House of Prayer, human bone fragments and the ashes were found in a like wood burning stove. Mm-hmm. Rich's daughter identified their mother's eyeglasses that were found in the yard. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. The crime scene corroborated Lucas's story and witness had seen Lucas with Rich on the day she disappeared and he was charged with first degree murder. Mm-hmm. Also, I forgot to say this at the beginning, but this man has three first names in his name. And we all know. Mm-hmm. We know. Okay? <gasps> it never ends well. It's never a good sign, my dudes. Um, meanwhile, while he is charged with first degree, mm-hmm. he offered details on the Powell murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas told investigators that when he and Powell left the house of prayer, they had argued while trying to get a ride. He said that the argument began when Powell said she wanted to go back to Jacksonville. Just before reaching Denton, they decided to get some sleep in an empty field off the road. Uh Powell did not survive the night. Lucas took investigators to the scene and described what happened next. Quote, so we went back first to that little tree over there as you go off the road. And we kept arguing, cussing at each other. And she hauled off and hit me upside the head. And that was it. That's when I hit her with the knife. I just picked it up off the blanket, brought around, hit her right in the chest with it, and she sort of just sat there for a little bit, then dropped over, you know. I cut her up into little tiny pieces and stuffed her into three pillows. I stuffed all of her in there except her legs. What? Why not her legs? I don't know, my dude. Two I weeks. Guess a- it didn't fit. Mm, yeah, I guess not. Two weeks after the murder, Lucas said he went back to bury the body in parts. During the confession, he said that he loved Powell, but ended up killing her because of the problems that he had all of his life. Skeletal remains were found to, were found to be those of a white girl around the same height, weight, and age of Powell. Lucas was again charged with murder. He took police to the remains of Rich and Becky. The police were surprised, and this increased Henry's credibility. Uh, because he was cooperating, like, a lot with them. Mm-hmm. Um, in June 1983, during the arraignment for Rich case, the judge asked Lucas if he understood the charges. He said that he did, and he admitted his guilt. Um, he then went on to tell the judge that he had mur- murdered a hundred women. Lucas quickly became front-page news. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah. During that trial, it resulted in a 75-year sentence. Mm -hmm. The streets of Montauk County became a feeding frenzy for the media. Um, During the media extravaganza, Lucas went on trial for the Powell murder. His defense again argued that his killing was unintentional and that he hit her with a knife before he had time to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, In front of the jury, Lucas sobbed and said that he loved Powell and did not want her dead. But More like a crime of passion kind of thing? Uh-huh. Like a spur of the moment kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, I didn't mean to hurt her. Uh-huh. Uh, but the defense had to deal with Lucas's videotaped confession, which included the following statement. Oh, jeez. This is shitty. 
uh, quote, I had sex intercourse with her. It's one of those things that I guess I got to be part of my life, having sexual intercourse with the dead. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It took the jury only two hours to hand down the stiffest possible penalty for the crime, life in prison. After the verdict was read, Lucas got up, shook hands with the prosecutor, smiled at him and said, quote, you did a good job. Okay, then. Yeah, it gets... Uh. After the trial, Lucas began confessing to other murders all over the country. He was quoted as saying, What are we going to do about these other hundred women I killed? This was the beginning of Henry's confession spree. In November 1983, Henry confessed to countless unsolved killings and interviews with law enforcement agencies. He originally offered a list of 77 women from 19 different states. He wrote detailed descriptions of the women and drew sketches next to their names. He confessed to more and more murders, and the details became increasingly bizarre. Mm. Some included dismemberment, necrophilia, and even cannibalism. Based on his confessions, a special like task force was co- formed. Mm-hmm. It was called the Lucas Task Force. Um, it was created by James B. Adam, the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety. Um, when Lucas started talking, the Texas Rangers were the ones that like were like followed the, the like yeah they were like the main investigators. Oh okay, gotcha. Um, they were led by Sheriff Jim Boutwell, uh, who was like apparently like a big fucking deal. Okay. Um. He was, like, tasked with handling the confessions, also tasked with handling Lucas. He, like, Lucas would go on, like, these moments, like, where, like, they're, like, Henry's being Henry, and then Sheriff Batwell would have to go and deal with him. Mm. Um, It was also him and then this fucking nun, because apparently there's a nun involved in Uh, this. Okay. Yeah, the nun, like, formed, like, this relationship with Henry and, Mm -hmm. like, like, brought him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so like anytime Henry was being like uncooperative or like feeling like some sort of way about something, they yeah. would go and talk to him and bring him around to the situation. Okay then. Yeah. So they were tasked with handling the confessions and like visits from other law enforcement agencies who wanted to clear their unsolved cases. There were so many law enforcement agencies calling them Mm -hmm. that they had to have like a set schedule like one person would come in like they would be like hey are you available at 10 30 they'd be like yeah give me an hour and like the law enforcement people would be like okay give me an hour and then they would put them down for like two to three to four hours because they knew how much henry liked to talk Mm -hmm. um so like it was like one after the other after the other after the other it was fucking insane Um, The task force gave Henry, like, very special treatment after each confession, um, which was, like, never given to any convict before or after. He was allowed to roam freely around the police station. He was taken to restaurants. He was brought to his, like, favorite milkshake every day. It was a strawberry milkshake. Every time (laughs) Sheriff um, Jim Batwell said, every confession that you get, I will give you a strawberry milkshake. So, like, in the documentary, this motherfucker is always sucking down a goddamn strawberry milkshake. Oh, my gosh. And you know how I hate that noise? I do. I, I literally thought that I was going to crawl out of my fucking skin. <laughs> like, you guys know that noise, like, when you're at the bottom of a drink, it's like, I don't, I don't want to make it because I don't want to throw up. But, like, you guys know the noise. Mm. It, it's disgusting. <laughs> and this motherfucker does it, like, ten different times mm-hmm. per minute. And it drives me up a wall. (laughs) Um, He was rarely handcuffed, often allowed to, like, wander around the police station and jails at will. And even knew the codes for security doors. This motherfucker is sentenced to life in prison. And he's just kind of free for all. Yeah. Henry loved the attention. Of course. Uh Uh-huh. So he kept giving the task force what they wanted. The Lucas task force officially cleared 213 previously unsolved murders as a result of Lucas's confessions. 
Um, lawmen from all over the country were requesting samples of Lucas's saliva, fingerprints, and hair. One investigator said at one point they ran out of pubic hair to get from Lucas to send to people. That's disgusting to think about. It really fucking is. Especially because this man... Let me... I'm going to show you a picture right now. Because this man... This man is not cute. And I can say that for two reasons. One, he's a son of a bitch. Two, he's dead. Mm. I mean, I'm seeing people worse, but... But he has like three teeth. From all those damn milkshakes. And cannibalism. I mean, cannibalism, quotation marks. <laughs> I, okay. I can't even understand how he would remember all of the 213 people. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> My favorite thing to do to Sierra is call her and, like, I'll, I'll expand on that in a second. I am really bored at home, okay, guys? But my favorite thing to do to Sierra, and I call her multiple times a day, but, like, is call Sierra and whisper. And she always whispers back. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best thing ever. It's like, why are we (laughs) waiting? You don't ever ask me that. You always just go with it and continue the conversation. Like, I could literally be like, Anyway, enough about Sierra and I's whispering. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lucas said he picked up most of his victims along the interstate, offering a ride and sometimes dinner or a drink. Quote, just about everyone I picked up, I'll kill them. And that's the way it always turns out. I mean, simple, straight to the point. Yep. Lucas said he killed his victims to have sex with them. Quote, to me, a live woman ain't nothing. I enjoy dead sex more than I do live sex. I mean, I guess they're more cooperative at that point. Like, I mean, technically they can't say no. Yeah, exactly. During one interview, Lucas said Tool had helped him commit many of the highway killings. Tool, whom investigators found serving time in Florida for arson, readily backed up Lucas's claims. Why? I have no idea. Um, just kidding. Tool told investigators that, quote, we picked up lots of hitchhikers, you know, and Lucas killed most of them, the, the women, himself, and some of them would be shot in the head and the chest, and some of them would be choked to death, and some of them would, we would be in the head with a tire tool. Subtle. Yeah. The six-foot-tall, snaggletooth criminal said that when he dressed up like a woman, he could get plenty of people to come and ride with him and Lucas. As investigations continued, Lucas' own estimate of his victims soon grew to more than 600. Wow. In the fall of 1983, investigators from 19 states gathered in Louisiana to swap information with Lucas and Toole. At the end of sessions, lawmen linked two of the two men alone to 81 murders, and many of the cases were closed. One of the victims Lucas confessed to killing was dubbed Orange Socks because they could not identify her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was found in a culvert wearing only like red orange socks. Uh, this case resulted in the capital charge for Lucas, and in late night. 1983, around, like, November again. Jim Boutwell, the sheriff of Wilmington County in Central Texas, brought Lucas to his jail and was really anxious to talk to Lucas about the string of unsolved murders in his county along Interstate 35. And according to Lucas, the sheriff assured him that he would keep him happy during the investigation. Mm -mm. Um, This was also, like, when the task force was becoming a a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lucas was the center of attention. When he wasn't talking face-to-face with an officer, he was in the task force office on the phone with detectives, like, from other locations, talking to them about their unsolved crimes. Lucas realized that he had become a valuable commodity and seemed to, like, revel in the daily business affairs of the task force. Soon, Lucas was leading an entourage of investigators and newsmen to crime scenes across the country. At this point, Lucas is, like, a big fucking deal. He's Mm -hmm. on, like, every news network, like, tonight at six, you know? Yeah. You know how they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, my mom said that you could not turn on the news without this motherfucker popping up. 
Like yeah. it was, it was a thing. Mm-hmm. My mom, which is my mom's mom, um, that is a grandma. In case you guys are not southerners, like, you know me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not me. And not you. It's it's uh, my grandma, which we call mama, and then my grandpa is papa. So um, my mama apparently said, "I swear to God, if they don't get this stupid man off television." <laughs> I'm going to break it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because eventually you're like, I like, like I at don't. some point the public is like, okay, we're interested. And then they're like, okay, this isn't math. This is getting mm-hmm. exploitative. Like, yes, come on y'all. Anyway. So he had a full time Japanese film crew following him around with an investigative reporter, like an, an, an American mm-hmm. reporter following him around and uh, videoing all of his confessions, which is where the confession killer like footage comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he even told them, he was like, yeah, I got some in your country too. Like speaking to the Japanese. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so here's the kicker. No physical evidence linked him to any of the crimes. Um, but he seemed to be able to give details and know the murder scenes. Lucas was leading them on like all this wonderful chase, mm-hmm. pointing out all of the, t- the, the little locations and the details, and he would brag about it. Like he, he bragged about it up until the very end. Spoiler. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He had become a a criminal celebrity. Right. Um, And in Lucas's mind, that meant he had become somebody important. Right. Uh, In those days, he enjoyed giving interviews that would spark attention. Quote, I've killed by strangulation. I've killed by hit and runs, by shootings, by robberies, by hangings. Every type of crime, I've done it. I've got more female population hating my guts more than any other place in the earth. I mean, everybody's got to have a goal, I guess, but... And mine is living off a spite alone. <laughs> <laughs> it would have definitely cut down on a grocery bill. Mm, yes. Um, as his nori- notoriety... Notoriety. Thank you. Notoriety grew, so did the number of victims he claimed. His stories consistently became more outrageous. At one point, he claimed he and Tool killed because they were recruited by a devil-worshipping cult called Hands of Death. Um, Lucas said the cult practiced human sacrifice, quote, they'd take a live girl and put her on the table and split her open and take out all of her organs, take the body and cremate it. He then said that cult members would bury the organs. Sometimes they put them in like a pot and cook them. Mm-hmm. Tool backed up Lucas's most outrageous statements. Um, during one interview, Tool said, quote, and, you know, one time you filleted some of them bodies, and I did too. Tastes like real meat when it got barbecue sauce on it, don't it? Isn't oh oh, barbecue sauce is Sierra's favorite sauce? <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> I'm laughing to keep from freaking myself out tonight. <laughs> um, um, so, of course, these outlandish confessions drew skepticism from some officers, but... It was still believed that Lucas was a prolific serial killer. Um, on April 2nd, 1984, Lucas faced his fourth murder, tri- murder trial, this time for the murder of Orange Socks, killed Halloween night, 1979. The stakes were high. Lucas faced the death pen- penalty for the first time. There was no physical evidence linking him to the crime, but as in so many other cases, like, uh, like three-fourths of the cases, mm-hmm. Lucas had confessed. At one point before the trial, he recanted. But later, he said he wanted the death penalty. Regardless, his attorneys mounted an aggressive defense based on an alibi. Um, Don, God, Don Higginbottom. Can you imagine okay. going to elementary yeah, school? Yeah, now. <laughs> This poor man popped up on television, and I was just like, oh, bless his heart. Um, Lucas's defense attorney uh-huh. claimed that at the time of the alleged murder in Central Texas, Lucas was working on a roof of a naval air station in Jacksonville, Florida. 
But prosecutors argued that Lucas was recorded saying that he paid off the roofing foreman so he could leave work for long periods of time and still get paid. Gotcha. Defense argued that such payoff was implausible and Lucas lied to investigators only to please them during an interview. Higginbotham said that Lucas was working for a federal entity at the time, like at the Naval Air Station, that awarded bonuses for completed er- like work completed early. Mm-hmm. Uh, the attorney pointed out that the foreman would have been financially better off completing the job early than taking a few paltry dollars from Lucas. Makes fucking sense, does it not? Yeah. Lucas, however, had cashed a paycheck in Florida the day after the murder, making it nearly impossible for him to have committed the crime in Texas. Um, and an expert confirmed Lucas's signature on the check. Okay, so he definitely was there. Yes. Prosecutor Kent Anderson suggested that Lucas did indeed cash the check, but it still had plenty of time to get back from Texas to commit the crime. This is where everything gets thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hickenbotham defied the prosecutor's assertion. It's, quote, it's approximately 1,300 miles between Williamson County and Jacksonville. He would have had to have been averaging a speed of 70 miles per hour the entire time to get back. That means no stops. It's nearly impossible. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit in a little bit because it gets even more implausible. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The defense's theory lost its impact after the jury heard a taped confession from Lucas, quoting, sorry, stating, we were talking about sex and she told me, not right now. She went to jump out the car when I grabbed her and pulled her back in the car. She was fighting so hard I almost lost control of the car and wrecked. I pulled over, grabbed her by the neck and choked her until she died. I had sex with her again. Then Lucas said he drove all the way from all the way to Georgetown, Texas, with a dead woman in the back seat. On videotape, he described where he took the girl. The defense maintained that Lucas was fed the details by investigators, weaving the facts into false and probable story. They said that the defendant didn't know many of the key facts of the crime in his first tape conviction, but was fed the details later. The prosecution argued that if Lucas accidentally confessed to murdering orange socks, it was only because he had killed so many others in the end, Lucas's confession was enough to convince the jury. All right. They found him guilty and handed down the death penalty. Although Lucas recanted orange socks murder confession, he kept confessing to other fucking crimes. Just onward. Yes. Um, as a result, instead of going to death row, he returned to his com- comfortable cell at the task force headquarters. Because why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. There he confessed to and was charged with seven more murders based on his, like, shit ton of confessions. Mm-hmm. Um, with all of these convictions resulting in life sentences. Um, Lucas's game with anxious lawmen was about to end, however. Journalists... Hugh Ainsworth and other investigated, like other investigative reporters, um, started to dive into Lucas's claims for articles that appeared in the Dallas Times Herald. Mm-hmm. They calculated this is this is what I was talking about. Okay. They calculated that he would have had to use his 13-year-old Ford station wagon to cover 11,000 miles in one month to have committed the crimes attributed to him. After the story appeared in April 1985 and, re- and revealed the flaw methods of Lucas's task force, the law enforcement opinion began to turn against their claims that the crimes had been solved. I looked up the, the gas mileage mm-hmm. for the Ford Plymouth that he was driving because that's the, that's the type of car he was driving. Yeah. Um, it gets 18 miles highway. Shoot. An 11-mile city. I called my dad because my dad is a car guy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, daddy, question. He was like, what is it? (laughs) Like, what could it possibly be What could it possibly be? And then that was my question. I was Mm -hmm. like, how how big is the the Plymouth? And um, did you ever have one? And what is the gas mileage? He was like, one, that thing is a fucking boat. Two, no, I did not have one. And three... It's a boat. <laughs> um, he was like, it on like no, there's and I gave him the timeline and I gave him the the mileage that he would have had 
to driven. Yeah. He was like, there's, there's no way. There's no way. I'm telling you, <laughs> there's no way. Like, he was like, if they had looked at the car, like, if they had one car guy on the task force, this would have been over with, like, in a matter yeah. of days. Yeah, like, no. No, 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 no. So... The thing is, with the task force, you remember how I said that they were, like, constantly bringing people Mm -hmm. in? So these people would call the task force and be like, hey, do you have anything for Lucas on the 23rd? And they would look at the the calendar and be like, no, he was free that day. They were like, okay, cool, he committed this murder in Oregon. And then they would, then somebody else would call. And be like, hey, do you have anything for him on the 24th? And they would look at the calendar and be like, no. And they'd be like, okay, cool. He killed someone in New York. Like, right. in what world, in what world, in the yeah. fucking 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. is this man traveling from Oregon on the 23rd of June to New York on the 24th? Yeah, no. There is no way. In this car, at this timeline... I mean, like, in anything, really. I mean, other than plane. But, like, it wasn't, like, big. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. So. Um, so, the bulk of the Lucas Report, which is what this, like, whole investigative journey was called, mm-hmm. was devoted to the detailed timeline of Lucas's claimed murders. The report compared his claims to reliable, verifiable sources of his whereabouts, Um the results often contradicted his confessions and mm-hmm. thus cast doubt on most of the crimes in which he was implicated. So this drifter, this supposed drifter and homeless man, mm-hmm. had detailed receipts and timelines and was able to place him. Like, it is, it is insane. Like, a little, little bit... Okay, I'm about to get squeaky because this is how bad this pissed me off. When I get when I get mad, y'all, I get my voice gets a little bit higher and I get a little squeaky. <laughs> does it not? Yes, yes. Okay, so like it is astonishing. Like the paper trail this man left. Yeah. Like got a ticket this day. Like an hour later, bought some T-shirt from this store. But, like okay. it is. It is honest to God. I was just like, I'm sorry. What? And it's the tes- the Texas Rangers that are supposedly investigating this. The yeah. best of the best of in law in law enforcement. Yeah, they they just take it at face value. Pretty much. Um, so Texas Attorney General Jim Maddox wrote, quote, when Lucas was confessing to hundreds of murders, those with custody of Lucas did nothing to bring an end to this hoax. And we have found information that would lead us to believe that some officials cleared cases just to get them off the books. Um, when he said this, when this attorney general said this, it was an actual shit show for this yeah, man. Yeah, I can't imagine. For this man. Um, he had a brick thrown through his window. He was pushed out of office by fake journalists, like this journalist, like just like washed into town and started to like say that he was taking bribes and Mm. that he was, um, having affairs and like basically every career ending story that you can have for like a politician or like a, a, an attorney or something like that. Some person in a power, this man was being like slandered Mm. against. He won the largest slander case in Texas history. I think it was like $15 million or something like that. Like it was a lot of fucking money. I don't quote me on that. I don't remember. Yeah. And I forgot to write it down. So there's no way to know. Well, (laughs) it just know it was a shit ton of money. And this man was well off after this. Oh, um, according to Lucas, anxious investigators and the Texas Rangers fed him the details he needed to make his confessions credible. Lucas said, quote, I'd go through files and I'd look through pictures, everything that concerned that murder. And when the detective come from that state or that town, you know, I'd tell them all about that murder. I knew about the murder. I'd only give them bits and pieces. They didn't care. They wanted to solve it. Mm-hmm. Which, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that you want to 
Yeah. You know, closed cases and yeah. stuff. But yeah. It's, and like, this is, but this was an easy cop out. Basically. So this one detective, she was either from Houston or Dallas. I don't remember which. Don't quote me mm-hmm. on this. She was like, mm, something's a little fishy here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's a she. So, you know, she's a boss ass mm-hmm. bitch. Okay. Um, she went back and told her bosses, she was like, look, this, something's not right. He's, this isn't, this isn't kosher. So the, her bosses were like, look, create a fake case. So this bitch creates a fake case. Like everything about this murder is completely Mm -hmm. fake. The victim, the location, everything. Yeah. And the Texas Rangers, before she gets there, feeds this information to Lucas and she gets there and he recant, he recounts everything like every single detail of this murder confesses to it says i did it wow like and she's like got him done check yeah ainsworth suggested that when lucas's crime details didn't match up boutwell the sheriff williamson county would give him a chance to change his confession but so he would go in there, talk yeah. to Lucas, give him more fucking information on the case. Like, try again, basically. Yes. And he goes, look, I know, like, there's, like, one part in the documentary, and I was reading one part in the Vulture, like, interview about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, look, Lucas, or Henry, I know this is a tough time, and if you want to take a break, we can take a break. We don't have to do this. Like, hold this man's hand, mm-hmm. this 40-something-year-old man's hand through this fucking interview. Yeah. It was a lot. It was It was a lot. Lucas also claimed that police made it easy for him to recognize the crime scenes. Quote, they'd ask me to go with them to a crime scene. We'd go out driving, you know, and they look for a house i'd look for a house or a number that i had seen in these pictures and it might take me three four times around the block before i'd point it out to them and say yeah that's it up there and i'd tell them about the murder that happened there and that's the way they'd solve the crimes oh my goodness yeah so in mid-April 1985, as news reports broke, Texas Attorney General Jim Maddox, who had his own doubts, this is the one that was pushed out of office, mm-hmm. about Lucas, decided to take a closer look into the matter. He called a grand jury to investigate three of the murders. This is before he was pushed out. Okay. In the meantime, with the original orange sock sentence still intact, the 49-year-old Lucas was finally set to death row, like the actual prison death row, mm-hmm. in Huntsville. Maddox's report noted that with the exception of the Powell case, Lucas had never led authorities to the murder sites. The report concluded that the investigators had fed Lucas information he had used to build the confessions and that some law enforcement officials cleared cases just to get them off the books. The report also criticized the task force for not doing anything to bring an end to Lucas's affair as evidence of hoax mounted. Mm-hmm. Despite the controversy, many task force members still contended that Lucas was a prolific serial killer. Others simply believed that Lucas had an uncanny memory for details and had learned how to manipulate investigators. Um, during the course of the like grand jury trial and when Maddox is like finding all this shit out, he goes into the um, police system they had at the time and tries to access, like, you know, reports of where Lucas could have been. And it has all been either redacted or it is confidential where an attorney general cannot get into it. What? Yeah. That's like president's eyes only or something. Exactly. Um, Denton County Sheriff Weldon Lucas said that during an American Justice interview, quote, once you ask him about a murder, you have to give him a certain location. And if you don't watch out, Henry will have you tell him how it happened, where it happened and when it happened. And then he'll repeat it back to you. He was a nightmare as far as investigators go because he was so street savvy. It's unreal. Other lawmen speculated that Lucas's motivation for the string of confessions revolved around the treatment he received from Batwell at the Williamson County facility, mm-hmm. um, where Lucas had com- like really comfortable existence and digs. He 
treated, quote, he treated me as a son. He brought me anything I would want. If I wanted a sandwich, he brought me a sandwich. If I wanted a steak, I got it. It didn't matter, you know. I lived better in jail than I did on the street. Defense investigator Bradley Shalade told American Justice Interviewer that he didn't think Lucas wanted to give up anything he had. Quote, you see, they got to the point where he didn't have to wear prison clothes. This man was literally walking around in some Wrangler fucking jeans and a button-down t-shirt around the jail. What? Just just chilling. So casual. Like, so, so casual. Yeah. Like, in his jail cell, Sierra looked better than my room does half the time. Like, the amount yeah. of shit he had in there. <laughs> um... Uh, he got all of the artistic materials he wanted, all of the serious cigarettes he wanted, cable mm-hmm. TV in his cell. As Henry once said, they treated me like a king. Why would I want to change things? The instant you stop confessing, you're going to death row. In order to recant, because this is what Henry later did, was recant all of his confessions. And in order to do so, his attorney was actually the attorney general that was forced out, Maddox. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, He became his lawyer and found that um, there were so many holes in his story. He was like, how can I fix this? So he was like, how can I poke some more holes in this fucking confession, get this man off death row? Remember Becky? Yes. Powell. mm -hmm, Becky Powell. He apparently had been in contact with Miss Becky Powell. What? Miss Becky Powell's dead. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, his supposed first victim, she was alive and living with her trucker husband. Because remember, she had met a trucker at a tub stop in Denton. And uh, they went on this giant media tour. Like, look, Becky is alive. Like, she was mm-hmm. quoted as saying, well, you know, it was a little strange when I found out I was supposed to be dead. But, <laughs> I mean. And she says it, <coughs> she says it just like that because yeah. everybody in this story is fucking Southern as all hell. <laughs> um, so, seems fine, right? Like, super, super fine. This woman's alive. Like, maybe he can get off this life sentence. Um, that would be a nope. This was all another lie. This woman, whose real name was Phyllis Wilcox, had been in love with Lucas and wanted to help get him out. Okay. Like, like no, but... They had been pen pals mm-hmm. in prison, and she was like, well, what if I pretend to be Becky? Oh, my God. So she got this, this man that she had been married to, Phyllis had been married to, the fake Becky, to go on television and say, yeah, this is what she looked like. And they held up a picture of the real Becky. Like, this woman looks nothing, nothing like Becky. Yeah. Phyllis is not Becky. Like, so how did she get Like, is she just, like, she and um, Lucas, she and Lucas would go back and forth and be like, yeah, this is what your home looked like. This is what your mom's name was. Mm. This is what this was. Like, they would, yeah. like, discuss these details to get others convinced. And at this point, Maddox, the attorney slash attorney general, was like, nah, bitch, I'm out. Um, so Henry was eventually convicted of only 11 homicides, which, again, 11 homicides. He was sentenced to death for the killing of one Deborah Jackson, who at the time was referred to orange socks. She was not identified until Mm -hmm. 2019. Um, Despite timesheet recording, which said that he was in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. Mm. Um, Henry's sentence was overturned to life in prison in 1998 by then governor George W. Bush, because of course, let's bring a Bush into the story. That's just what we need. (laughs) Um, it was discovered that details in his confession came from case files, which obviously, which he had been given to fucking read. I mean, duh. <sighs> okay, so our story ends when Henry Lee Lucas was found dead in prison from heart failure at age 64 on March 12, 2001. 
as of 2020, DNA evidence has verified that Lucas did not kill 20 of his supposed victims. Mm -hmm. The remaining are still being verified. There's a strong possibility that he did not commit most of these murders. Mm -hmm. Most of these 600 that he confessed to in the 213 that he was, like, you know, thought to have got done have not even been reopened. Like, police aren't even giving it the possibility that he did not do these. Wow. Yeah. Um, despite all of the irregularities, Henry Lee Lucas is publicized as America's most prolific murderer. In his final years, he filed many appeals stating, quote, I am not a serial killer and falsely confessed to all of the crimes. Wow. At most, I think he committed two. Yeah. Well, no, three. I'm sorry. I think he killed his mom on mm-hmm. purpose, obviously. Um, I definitely think he killed Frida Becky Powell and I definitely think he killed Kathy Rick Mm. um but that is the story of Henry Lee Lucas oh gosh and it it was a lot I I was on like the New York Times this today I was on the Guardian I was on Murderpedia which y'all know is my favorite yeah Vulture, I watched the fucking documentary six different times, I believe. Wow. Like, this shit pissed me off. There was, like, also a hundred other sites that I was on, which will obviously be on the blog. But, like, y'all. Like, like, everybody, you always want to find closure for the victim, for the parents or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And do that, but, like, you're still leaving murderers free by... Because they still died. Yeah. Because still cases. Yeah. And so people are getting away with it just because he wanted the attention and he decided he was going to do all That's that. That's like. And at the end of the documentary, and I know I keep coming back to this, but it's really good, y'all. At the end of the documentary, like, it, it focuses on the open cases that are supposedly open and that the police won't reopen. Um, they you know? said it, it's fine. Like, it, it's, we don't... It's, close quotation marks like it's just really really sad Mm -hmm. and it's it's heartbreaking that these women are out there like and their families don't know what happened to them yeah like it's it's really heartbreaking but i hope you guys have a good week (laughs) (laughs) oh man i have seen that like is on netflix right yeah. Yeah. I I saw that that was on there, but like I was like I don't know what that means. But now I know. Now you know he confessed oh, to over six hundred fucking okay. cases. Which like you can't even remember. There's no possible way you can even remember that many. Exactly. Like obviously people were like no. Mm-hmm. But even after like I'm just thinking how many you could even remember without like your stuff mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah because people obviously there's like see different serial killers do different things take pictures have little memorabilia or whatever yeah 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 so, what are those things called souvenirs is it souvenirs yes um so but like to even remember 50 yeah and like details and everything like that is a lot it's a lot and it's disgusting it really, really is. Like, how, if what, okay, so this is something that they said in the, in the show. It was, he had an IQ of about, it was, like, between 47 and 72, and he was able to convince all of these law enforcement mm-hmm. agencies and officers that he committed these crimes and was some criminal genius. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because it's like oh well, nobody ever suspected him before uh-huh, on any uh-huh, of them. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. No physical. I'm sorry. What? Yes, and you said no physical evidence. No physical evidence. So it was like too good to be true. Yep. Yep. Guys. Really. Guys. Yeah. My dudes. Like. Yeah, I just I can't. Ugh, I can't deal with it. I cannot deal with it. It just... That is literally insane. The audacity of a mediocre white man, as Amanda from Wine and Crime says. (laughs) Just, like, for him to think he's special enough. Oh, God. 
you know, oh, oh, guys. So I went and got my nipples pierced yesterday, Thursday, as of last week for you, for you guys, yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. The lady that did it was hilarious, and we were mm-hmm. talking about this case, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Yeah, you know, I re- I watched that, um, and it it's just it's just too much. I just I don't understand how he could do it. I'm like, he's a he's." Of course he could kill all those people and remember all those facts yeah. and not leave any physical evidence. Oh, he's so yeah. he's good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just... Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. I feel like if he really did all those, he would be more insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just... Like, I don't understand how they, like, they they just ignore blatant facts. <sighs> like, the fucking gas mileage really irritates me, okay? Like, it because don't, it you is don't have so, to be... Like, you know, you know that those men in that office knew something about some fucking gas mileage right. of a Plymouth. Sure. 1975 Plymouth scamp. Like... I'm sorry, what? Yeah, it doesn't take a genius. No. To realize. The car's a fucking boat. You don't even need a scientist. No. Just, like, use your common sense. God, it irritates me. Anyway, that's, that's enough about what irritates Emily. <laughs> the, the case that irritates Emily. <clears throat> all um, right. You want to plug all the things? Sure. Go for it. Um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Do it, do it, do it. Paranormal Podcast. Um, case photos go there. Crazy things. Things that are happening in the world go there. As Funny Emily. memes that yeah. I, I see on the interwebs. Yeah. Things that, you know, we feel like you might also appreciate. Um, you can check out our website, paranormalpodcast.com. And on there we have also the case photos and the case sources and then Different resources. And believe me, there's like a billion for this fucking case. <laughs> um, and then we also have like resources that we think are important for just general life. Like your mental health, because your mental health is so important, as I keep telling Sierra that she needs to take this Sunday off. Anyway. Because she is... Oh, guys. Sierra's going to be a math teacher. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Um, anyway, your mental health is important. We care about it. We care about you. You guys are important. Um, unless you're a uh, serial killer who confesses to over 600 crimes that you did not commit, then you are a piece of trash. Um, it, but no, really. We like care. A plastic bag. <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> oh, God. Now that's going to be stuck in my fucking head. You're welcome. Um, Better than Kumbaya. Kumbaya. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, if you well, if you visit our website, please little send us a little note. We have like a little contact us on there. Oh, do it. You guys, that would be so cute of you. And. <laughs> Um, I'm in a good mood, y'all. That was a kind of a weird laugh. Anyway, <laughs> um, what else is there? There's oh, you can send us an email, parentonpodcast at gmail or send us mail. Because guys, in case this is the first episode you have ever listened to, one, I'm so sorry. Two, I love mail. Like I really love mail. Like Sierra gets all of the mail and <laughs> she gets nickels in the mail from like these charities that are like, give us money. If you give us money, we'll give you a nickel. And um, no, it's like, here's a nickel so you can give it back to us. Like what? Like what no, 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 honey bunny. No, no, no. Um, I told them they should just do Well, I didn't tell them. I told she Emily. It. <laughs> I told Emily <laughs> they should do dimes because while it's, well, I guess they probably don't have to pay postage. No. If it's non-profits, no. So then I guess it's irrelevant. Anyway, I love mail. I get no mail, um, so I would appreciate some. Just send me, like, a, a letter, like, with one word on it. Like, your favorite word. Like, my favorite word? Have we discussed what my favorite word is? I think we have, but I think it was a long time ago. Okay, we need to discuss what my favorite word is once more. Are you ready? Dr- just, like, just drum roll. Okay, it is. Pergola. <laughs> that is just the best word. Besides fuck nugget. But, like, that's the best curse word. Pergola is just, like, you can't say it and be mad. <laughs> so, if you're just, like, having an argument with someone, just, just like, say that. Pergola. And then, like, 
life's not so serious. It's okay? not. It's really great. <laughs> um, and then finally, the, 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 the icing on the cake, y'all. If you want to become a Patreon, our patron is Paranorm Podcast. Just, just, just do it. Like we have so many cool things on there. There's different tiers. So if you can give a little or if you can give a lot. And if you can't give any, then the best way to support our podcast is to share. We appreciate every single one of you. We do. Um, again, with, with the, the clause that if you're a serial killer, like now we good. Um, for legal purposes. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I feel like that's everything we have to say today. I have to like actually give them the address to send <gasps> mail to. Oh, you do? Okay, guys, here's the actual address because I don't know it. <laughs> you always do forget, though. I do. Um, P.O. Box 1416, Monroe, North Carolina, 28111. And here's my thing. That's three ones, motherfuckers. <laughs> yep, that's your line. All right, guys. I We will not be back next week because next week is our break week. But the week after is a very special episode. I feel like you should do another drum roll. Okay, do a drum roll. Okay, it's my birthday episode. You guys just had to turn it down then, didn't you? Uh, yeah. um, it's my birthday episode. Um, my birthday is a big deal to me for uh, one, for two reasons. One, um, it's my birthday, and I feel like it should be celebrated by everyone. Um, two, I'm getting off crutches, like officially off crutches after seven, seven long months of not being able to do anything. Um, I'm off crutches. I am healed. Uh, so I'm pretty fucking excited. It's mm-hmm. going to be a really great episode. We have some fun surprise in for you. So we will be back the week of the fifth, AKA the best week that there is. Um, yeah, guys. I'm excited. I'm excited. I fucking love my birthday. <laughs> we, I, I don't know. If, I, I probably said this last year. I don't celebrate one day. Um, no. I get the whole week, and we're going on vacation this week, or that week for, mm. that week, not this week, I wish it was this yeah. week, that week, um, but yeah, guys, I hope you guys have a great two weeks, we'll be back in your ears, um, refreshed from vacation, and mm-hmm. love and life, so, right. goodbye, everyone, bye.